Welcome to The Five, a podcast built to inform nonprofits about critical functions that will improve their organization. I'm your host, Eric Morcheski, CEO and co-founder of Nimble Strategies. We are bringing The Five to you as a part of our company's five-year anniversary celebration with thought leaders from across the country. Welcome to The Five. We're here today with Michael Shepard of the Shepard Group. I'm so excited to talk about PR and marketing for nonprofits here. Michael, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up working with nonprofits in public relations and marketing? Happy to, Eric. Yeah, my relationship in the nonprofit space goes back mm, probably three decades. When I started my firm after working with large advertising and, and PR firms, one of my very first engagements was a, a direct marketing agency that was celebrating its 75th anniversary. And they were a, a, a really well-known firm within certain parts of the nonprofit sector as a fundraiser. But the CEO who I had met at a conference at which I had spoke was thinking that public relations was something they had never really used in their marketing and business development efforts very effectively. He liked some of the content material that I shared at this industry conference, and he invited me to put together a proposal around their 75th anniversary. That started a 13-year relationship with the firm. And over that span of time, the uh, organization, which was a family-owned company, uh, raised in excess of $100 million for nonprofits across the United States. That includes Red Cross, Salvation Army, Rescue Missions, uh, Humane Societies. They were pioneers in the internal name for it is system selling. It's really where you de design an entire year's worth of appeals and messages and packages, and you do a series of tests over that span of time against different databases, against different you know, creative appeals and so forth, and to determine you know, what really resonates with donors. I learned a lot about how they, they did what they did, and through that, I was exposed to their clients and the work that they did in the field. And so my, my relationship was sort of, there was a duality to it. I was working with the parent company so we could raise their visibility, particularly with earned media, but also they were introducing me to their clients, the nonprofits, whom in many cases didn't have a professional public relations resource on a dedicated basis inside their organization. So that was my exposure to the nonprofit realm. And I'm so grateful that I was led there. That was not part of my business plan, honestly, when I jumped out. My initial client was a hotel, it was Embassy Suites, a little commercial for our, our friends at, <clears throat> within the, uh, the Hilton family of, of brands. And I also had been retained by my colleagues at Ogilvy in Seattle uh, to handle their PR work for their clients. So it was really corporate 
facing work. This nonprofit relationship started as a result of this um, presentation that I did back in in uh, Greenbrier, West Virginia. And uh, I'm, as I said, it, it started a, uh, a very special relationship for me between the, the nonprofit sector and uh, our firm. So obviously, last name Shepherd, the Shepherd Group, this is this is your firm. You know, can you tell us a little bit about some of what your firm does and, and some of the efforts you put forth for nonprofits? Right, we're uh, reputation managers really is our, our, our sweet spot. And we manage reputation through a combination of earned, owned, and paid media. And so that can include everything from social media content. It can include website content management. It can include a great deal of press relations. That was how I originally started in the PR ranks. I, I came from uh, the newsroom. Uh, I was a broadcast journalist for uh, several years before I, I entered the communications field and consulting with, with clients, working with larger agencies. But our focus is really looking at, our sweet spot is looking at what clients are doing operationally and behaviorally, what their business goals are, and then figuring out how to align their communication strategies so that they are specifically supporting those business goals. It sounds like a no-brainer, but it is often surprising once you go into boardrooms and you understand and, and you know you listen as to where they're they're wanting to go with their their growth plans. And you sometimes find some interesting strategic disconnects between what they say they, they want to do, how they're perceived in the marketplace, and maybe what actually exists in the marketplace in terms of those perceptions and how it, it, it can affect their ability to attain their goals. So we, we work a lot on strategic alignment with boards. So real quick, I'm going to ask you to touch on something for listeners in case they're not as well-versed in PR and marketing. You mentioned earned versus paid versus owned media. Walk a listener through what each of those exactly means. Sure. We'll start with earned. And the simplest umbrella definition for that is exposure that comes through a third party, which I think we would all agree is arguably the most powerful, right? Because it's not us telling the world how great we are. It's other people telling our story for us. Uh, and so I mentioned I'd started my career in media. And although the media is continually under fire for bias and for spin and for a number of things, the reality is when a story, particularly a, a positive story, is out there about you, the halo effect uh, from that, meaning, you know, that that glow that, that sort of is around the brand stays out there for a long period of time. So it's extremely powerful, again, because other people are telling that story. Examples of earned media articles, which oftentimes will follow press releases, speaking engagements is a form of earned media. Most people don't think of it that way, but when you're in front of an audience, whether it be in a hotel ballroom or maybe a conference room, you are taking advantage of the credibility, the third party credibility that they have by bringing you in as a, a speaker 
for that. So that's the intermediate piece. Owned media refers to those channels that the brand controls. Your website, for example, your social media channels, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever that may be. Any type of, maybe it's internal communications that you have through a, a some sort of a, a closed loop network within the company. Uh, you see this with uh, larger companies, particularly those with international operations. They have a, a, an actual loop network that uh, allows them to communicate with their stakeholders, both domestically and internationally. And then paid is simply advertising and paid promotion. It can be sponsored posts. It can be, you know, any type of exposure that uh, requires you to, to write a check in order to access that particular platform. The advantage of paid, of course, is you have control. And you have not only reach, but you, you have the ability to control frequency. How many people see your message and how often do they see it? That's in stark contrast to earned media where you don't really have control. But the upside there, as I mentioned earlier, is that you have the implied credibility of the endorsement coming from another, another party. And then own media, of course, is your opportunity to tell your story in your way. So that's sort of the, the, the three buckets, if you will, that so, we work. So a great example here for, for me, this podcast is owned media. For you, this is earned media. <laughs> there you go. So, you are you quick. Know, no, no pay to play here. So no paid media, but um, it is pretty easy to understand it in that way. So kind of transitioning forward then. Tell us why a nonprofit should really be thinking about their public relations and in those different media pieces. I think arguably nonprofits embraced PR maybe even before their brethren in corporate did many years ago. They they may not have been as sophisticated in the way that they branded those efforts, but they've always understood the the fragile nature of relationships between an organization and their donor base and, and other stakeholders that you know that affect their their success and their work in, in the community. So I think that there's always been a great appreciation for public relations. The difficulty for nonprofits, of course, is that they're resource constrained. And so what happens often is on a board, this was a common strategy. We need to get a board member that has a public relations background. And it was almost like folks felt like it was a magic wand. Once we have this individual, and it could be a person that might have been heading up an agency, it could have been someone from the local newspaper, it could have been a broadcaster, it could have been any number of people who work around media. And if you were to ask a board member, or in some cases, a senior member of, of staff in the nonprofit, they go, well, you know, tell us about your public relations strategy. How do you, how do, you do that? Oh, well, you know, we have so-and-so on our board and they're running all of that managing force and we get great exposure in X. And that was often kind of the, you know, the extent of the, uh, of the way the, the discipline was managed. Uh, it wasn't necessarily all that strategic. It was much more tactical and it was dependent upon the ability of one person to be able to create 
opportunities for the nonprofit to get that exposure. And it's amazing. There's still a number of organizations that, that think and function that way today. They don't have the luxury, oftentimes the resources to be able to have a dedicated public relations position. So it'll be embedded in development or advancement where somebody's expected to, oh yeah, uh, could you also put a press release out around our event or Gee, it would really be great. Do you think you could talk to somebody about their interest in maybe having us come and speak to them? You know, so it, it, it's an add-on. It's an afterthought. It's it's not being managed and worked the way certainly a professional would do it because that's their focus, right? This is more of a, as I say, an adjunct to what a development person does, and that's that's difficult. I think one of the things that I learned over the years is also not all communications people are created equal. Um, and that's not to say one is bad or one is good, but you have to understand who you're working with and that you get people out of agency side a lot of times when you're working with them and they're really great at pitching, but maybe not great on camera. And then you get someone who maybe comes from, you know, wanting to be broadcast journalists like yourself, and they're probably really good at camera and sometimes they're not really good at pitching. And that was something I had to learn in that executive director role over the years of understanding how you can play to the strengths of the people that are on your team. And so, you know, if you're engaging a firm like yourself, you're probably looking for someone who's better at pitching than you are for being on camera because hopefully the nonprofit is the one on camera, typically not that's Not right. Michael Shepard. Um, Absolutely. You know. Yeah. My, my camera time in 30 plus years has been pretty nominal. Uh, it's really only in situations where it strategically makes sense. But oftentimes my role is to make the executive director, the, the board and other and other partners uh, involved with the organization, give them the exposure. I, and I, I love that. I, I love to, you know, to be the the guy behind the curtain, Oz, if you will, Oz, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, uh, that that orchestrates these things. And I, that to me is the uh, most enjoyable part of what I what I do. I, I, I love it's a Rubik's Cube. It's trying to figure out everybody's got a story. Sometimes they don't know their own story, but they all have it. If I can spend enough time with them, I can usually pull it out and figure out how to make it more resonant, more compelling, and so that it has traction with whoever I'm talking So one other thing that I think sometimes nonprofits don't realize or understand as well is just because it's important to you doesn't mean it's important to the media or, or the public. How do you help someone understand that? That's one of those things that I've, I've realized over the years in working with nonprofits is there's things that are critically important to the internal workings of the nonprofit and they can't get over why the media doesn't care about it. And it's a, sometimes a tough transition and explanation and understanding that you go through. Yeah. And, and it usually stems from not really doing enough homework on the audience that's connected to that media source. The media is an intermediary and yes, you have to pitch the media, but what that, reporter, editor, producer, director, whatever their, their particular role is in the nature of the organization, they are processing what you're saying, but they have in their mind an audience member. 
And if you cannot connect what you are saying to the interest of that audience member, you're you're not going to be successful. This is the 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 biggest blind spot and the stumbling uh, spot for so many people in the nonprofit world. You know, today it's like we are helping so many people. We're doing all these wonderful things. We have all these services that we can provide. Why aren't people writing about? It? Well, it's because you haven't developed that narrative that it explains how this impacts that audience and maybe connect it to larger constructs, you know, that that ultimately, you know, improve the quality of life in a community. I mean, you you have to really think past the bells, the whistles, the features uh, of what it is you're offering and think about the impact on the community. And if you if you challenge yourself to think critically about that and really parse those things out, it's amazing how much more relevance you will have in your pitches and how and, and, and what your conversion rate is in terms of success. So all that said, let's talk about the five of you know public relations. What are those five critical aspects that a nonprofit leader should understand about public relations for their organization. Let's get into those. So number one, you you want to lead by example. It's just everything in the public relations game. I, I often said that it, it's behavior and the ability to document that behavior that really helps your street cred with media and with any stakeholder. And so it, it, it is what you are doing that will probably the single biggest determinant in your success in, in, in public relations because people will see it. It's not it's not claims, it's not words, it's not it's not selling. You're you're doing it and you're simply communicating and sharing. And when you when you you put that together, it's incredibly powerful. So I, I would say that that would be number one. The second thing is to look at the channels that you want to take your message and making sure that you don't overextend yourself. Dilution is a very real threat, particularly in this day and age. Look at the number of social channels you have. Do you have to be on everyone? Is the audience the same on everyone? Is you know, if you look at, for example, Instagram and LinkedIn, the profiles of the of, of, of the followers there, the content that they're consuming is likely quite different. And you know, your messaging needs to reflect that. The idea that you can, you know, craft a one-size-fits-all and then deploy it you know, on everything from Facebook to LinkedIn to Instagram to X, to, it, it's, you're showing at that point, particularly if they are seeing the same post on those other channels, they know that you're talking at them. You're not really engaging, you know, in a conversation, which at the end of the day is what social media was intended to be, right? So, so channel, picking your channels and, and being sensitive to, you know, to customizing and focusing uh, your content on those channels is super important. I think a third key aspect of public relations is surround yourself 
with experts who have the type of expertise in a particular discipline or, or field that give you the credibility you need to have in order to be successful. And because if, if I'm pitching media, program, conference chairs, whomever, I need to make sure that I am, I am pitching people that I, I know, I vetted, I've looked at, and these, these are very accomplished and successful people that give me credibility as a practitioner in introducing them to the, um, to, to the, or, the organization. So that, that's a third item. Fourth, I would look at the frequency of contact that you are having with a particular audience or constituency stakeholder group. We sometimes fall into the trap of, well, how many people saw our message and, you know, how wide was our footprint and, you know, who did we touch? And clearly that's extremely important, but if there is not a, a cadence, and, and I don't mean wearing people out by, you know, saturating them with, you know, advertising or messaging that they, they ultimately, you know, get annoyed with. I'm talking about creating opportunities to introduce new developments, new activities, new, uh, I guess, reflections of, of growth for the nonprofit and what they're doing and sharing that with an intended audience through the appropriate channels, which communicates that you are, you're growing, you're dynamic, you're not standing still, you're moving forward, you're, you're introducing uh, different facets of the jewel. So it's a, it's a very important aspect. And the last thing uh, in, and I don't think you can overstate this in its importance, is the ability to measure the impact of what you're doing. And the difficulty in public relations for years is we struggled with what, what are the success metrics, you know, around a good PR campaign. And, and I've heard everything from, well, is your telephone ringing? You know, are people talking about you? Do you hear unprompted messages? And those are all, all valid. But we now live in a world where because of digital technology, we have the ability to get more granular in our measurement around what we are doing. And I don't just mean vanity metrics like click-throughs and you know uh, impressions and, and, and things of that nature, but we're able to uh, better understand the journey that in, in, the, in, in a nonprofit context that a donor makes and how they, how they ultimately navigate their way ultimately and hopefully to uh, supporting us through a gift of, of, of some kind or, or some form of support. But measurement and the, the practitioner today has to be able to walk in to a boardroom, make a presentation and show that board that because of these communications efforts that are underway and the, and the initiatives that have been undertaking, that there's a true impact and a difference being made in the community. You can do that Number one, you'll keep your job, but number two, you'll be showing why this, the organization is moving forward and growing in the right ways, financially, 
operationally, culturally, and all the meaningful metrics. So listening to what you just put forth, I, I actually think about so many different things that I've seen throughout my career, or I mean, even just that measured impact. Yeah, I, I always think back to a story my wife would tell, and my wife was in PR for Vail Resorts, and they would see a market uptick in bookings when the Denver Broncos had snow at their game on a nationally televised game that they'd get a, you know, that's not PR, that's nothing they did, but that was measurable. That Absolutely. They could that um, so like, I think that's a kind of another piece in there is understanding, you know, what is working, but what is actually being controlled with your communications? Um, because there are certain things, they're just outside of your control. And hopefully they're good things like that, if you're getting more bookings um, and not, you know, the, the issues that maybe come along with sometimes at ski resorts that accidents happen and and you're controlling that communications piece. Um, so, you know, one of those things that just always resonates with me is measuring impact, but also measuring it with the right facts that you're, mm -hmm. you're bringing into it. The other thing that I, I kind of came to with it is the five things that you just went through. So much of that to me starts with a communications plan, starts with not being reactive, but being proactive, you know, that you're going to take a look at your channels, that you're going to, you know, surround yourself with experts, your frequency of contact, all of that. How much of that do you do with the nonprofits on that education piece and on that planning piece um, when you're working with them? It's imperative. It's your, it's your framework that keeps you focused. I, I talked about, yeah, the channels and, and, the somewhat amorphous nature of public relations makes it even more crucial that that you have a plan that lays out your broad uh, broader objective, what the strategies are in support of that objective, what the audiences are that you're going to you know be communicating with and, and need to to move, specific tactics, the measurement. And of course, the uh, you know the summary that brings it brings it all together. Um, but no, it's uh, in any endeavor, planning is is essential. The plan itself, I think it was Dwight Eisenhower said, the plans are almost obsolete as soon as they're they're done. But the planning process that you go through, the rigor and the discipline of doing that, is so valuable because it helps you focus and make sure that you stay so that you don't you don't lose sight of what's really important because it's so easy to do in a in a discipline like this where you can get pulled off in so many different directions all because somebody goes well that's good pr it's a great opportunity for us well yeah maybe maybe it's taking you away from a from attaining the bigger prize well and or consistency um you know of this is the message we're trying to drive home to our donors to our constituency is, you know, helping them to understand this is who we are and this is what we do. And by jumping every time a new bright, shiny light pops up, you maybe aren't fulfilling that critical point of hammering that message home. Because as, as we all know, especially in today's day and age, there is communications coming at you from 9,000 different directions, and you only hear or see so much of that. Even if you've scrolled through it on your X. Uh, you said X earlier. I was impressed by that. You didn't say Twitter. 
Um, and uh, even if you're scrolling through it on your X, you don't necessarily pick up or remember everything that you just scrolled through. Um, so you do have to, you know, tell me something, you have to tell me something again, and then you have to tell me something again before I even start to have a message on it. Or we would often talk about donation wise, you need five or six touch points before someone actually decides to make a gift to your organization. And so those different touch points come from those different locations. And so I think all of that plays into it. Before I started uh, my firm, there was a number that was widely bandied about, and I don't know whom get who gets the credit for this, uh, but it was determined that in order for the human mind to retain a message, it had to be heard and you know taken in. 3.2 times before it would stick. At that point in my young career, I was working in radio and I think somebody uh, probably for the radio advertising bureau, you know, had, had come up with that, but, but it does, it speaks to the frequency issue that I was, I was um, sharing earlier. And I wanted to go back real briefly to the, uh, there was a, a thought that flashed across my mind, Eric, when you talked about the, uh, the Denver Broncos and the, and the snow and, you know, the, its impact on uh, ticket sales and, and interest in games. There was a saying by Branch Rickey, who was the man who ultimately brought Jackie Robinson to the big leagues. And he was asked about luck which is a factor in everything, right? Life, sports. And his response to the questioner was, luck is the residue of design. And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in that. And that speaks to the relevance and the importance of a plan and knowing where you want to go. And as we all know, things never go completely according to plan. And sometimes... There's a negative outcome associated with that, but there's also the serendipitous possibility of something good happening, and that's the luck piece. And as somebody who's traveled, uh, you know, the ebbs and flows of communications over over the decades, I I can tell you that uh, you you're always grateful when um, you catch a break. You need them. Yeah. Maybe not quite as eloquent as Branch Rickey said it, but, you know, better to be lucky than good, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well so all, all of this said, you know, how do you see public relations changing and evolving? We've obviously, I think back to when I graduated college, Facebook didn't exist yet. Too. So 20 years, I hate to say that, but I, I graduated from college 20 years ago. So it's fact now um, <laughs> is... 20 years has occurred and there's been an immense change in communications. Yep. But at the same time, certain things have stayed the same, right? All five of your points were true. Maybe it was harder to measure impact back then, as you talked about, mm -hmm. but all five of your points remain true to back then as they do today. You know, what do you see changing within the landscape of public relations? I think we're seeing it right now. Um, with uh, artificial intelligence, I think it's going to have a uh, tremendous impact. It arguably the biggest change maybe since the advent of the internet. And there are all types of issues associated with that, including ethics, including you know the actual way that we produce messages, 
the ability to be able to deploy them more quickly, more efficiently. Yeah, the the five that I touched on earlier, those are those are bedrock foundational pillars, I, I think, of a you know a good public relations program. But the always when you look at the future, you have to really start with technology and what it's going to do to change the landscape. And the one thing you could be sure of, although you may not know what that technology, you know, uh, will actually, you know, look like and how it will manifest itself, it's always there where you, where you will see the evolution. And, and so my crystal ball is like, I think most crystal balls, it's good for a few years out, but you get past five or 10, it starts to get really, really fuzzy, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've got our hands full with the AI uh, thing. I mean, it's it's everywhere. I'm always a little bit leery of the shiny penny, you know, syndrome. And 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 there's a lot about AI that I don't think we've really started to see its true impact and 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 how it's going to revolutionize things the way that some people have have suggested there is no doubt in my mind that is it is already here and is is changing what we do but there are people that i don't want to call them faddists but they love to latch on to something like this and make broad sweeping statements about you know the future and sometimes the reality is dialed back a little bit and there was an article recently in the New York Times that I read about what has been said about AI and what you could actually say we've seen and experienced. And there's a delta there. <laughs> and, and that delta is the hype around it. But, but make no mistake about it. I do feel, to your question, that AI is the game changer uh, for public relations, um, if not the world. Uh, as as we as we move forward, and 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 how it will impact messaging, the creation of the messaging, the deployment of the messaging, the believability, the credibility of the messaging, ethical issues. There's just a number of number of things that are going to be extremely important. I think that's a great point. And one of our other topics that we are doing an interview for later this week that'll be posted is on AI for nonprofits. So ah. very, uh, very timely for you to bring it up. Uh, and I look, I look forward to hearing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what, what they have to say and, and how, how uh, they're utilizing it. So I think it should be good. Uh, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with, you know, parting words of wisdom here before we go? Uh, only thing that I would say is that keep supporting your favorite nonprofits. They they need you more than ever. And thank you for what you do in supporting a nonprofit, whether it's through your time, it's through your your financial resources or or whatever, whatever you're doing. I, I can say unequivocally that the most gratifying you know work that that I've done over my career has been around nonprofits, even when I, it's been done. In, in representing a for-profit entity. I love when I can bring a, uh, a public-private partnership together. It's, um, it's special. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Michael. And uh, thank you so much for joining 
the five and sharing with that public relations angle, because I think so many nonprofits do get into the budgetary constraints of public relations. And that doesn't mean that it should be forgotten about. It just means that it has to probably be adjusted a little bit to how how they look at it and what how they're utilizing it, because you still need an awareness building as you move forward. And so I think these are great points that every every nonprofit across the country can utilize. Thank you for listening to The Five. Subscribe to our channel and make sure you catch every episode of The Five and reach out to Nimble Strategies today for help with your nonprofit.